next program. I mean, in my state. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome everyone to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is March 6th, 2019. And the news is talking about this list, right? We've got hearings. We've got Ocasio. We're not going to talk about any of that really because it's not really the news. What we need to be focusing on is the 2020 elections. We need to be focusing on the strategies that are being used to manipulate these elections. And today we're going to do a deep dive into censorship. But we're also going to see how there are journalists, banned journalists, banned reporters, banned investigative journalists, citizen journalists, citizens in general, that are really making waves. So I don't know if all of you um, listened to the interview that Laura Loomer had on InfoWars after being banned on CPAC. I want to play a clip from that, and then I want us to listen to a few clips, and I'll tell you what is being said and missed opportunities where Joe Rogan had a Jack Dorsey and his legal policy safety, you know, the, the, the Snowflake Network, the Snowflake Patrol, the Thought Police person, Vijay, whatever her name is. Um, and we'll talk about the missed opportunities, but you'll also realize why there were missed opportunities. I will uh, tell you about DARPA contracts that are well documented, uh, dating back from when um, former President Barack Hussein Obama won the elections because of social media. So social media is a key component back in 2008 to winning elections. Imagine in 2019 how important it is. So I wanted us to kind of take a look at what's going on, but also tip my hat to Laura Loomer for getting under Joe Rogan's skin. And I'll point that out for you guys. So I'm going to play a clip now. Obviously, we know that when my radio show airs, so does Alex Jones, right? Um, he is supposedly my air quote competition, but he's really not. There are Hundreds of millions of people right now. And, you know, he, as well as other radio show hosts, um, have their own pocket of listeners, but we're all focused on the same goal. So I have no problem promoting other people because it's about the message, right guys? So, um, you know, red state talk radio is where we're giving a voice to the silence. I want you guys to just listen to this clip where he's discussing what happened at CPAC, where Laura brings the attention about CPAC, but then when she talks about Joe Rogan. Um, Take a listen. 
this where Laura Loomer politely, I've watched the whole 10 minute video, talks to Oliver Darcy, this little arrogant SOB that is involved in censorship and he runs off and the, and the criminal uh, Southern Poverty Law Center has her banned. What do we do, Laura Loomer? Well, we need to start fighting back, you know, and I'm not going to allow these people to deplatform me and censor me. You better believe when I find Matt Schlapp, he's going to get Loomer too. And I want to know why this never Trumper who never even supported President Trump, you know, Matt Schlapp, if you recall, didn't even want President Trump speaking at CPAC two years ago. Don't you remember? Matt Schlapp was part of this, uh, this group of people, this group of conservatives that was supporting Ted Cruz and other people. They didn't even like him. And now his wife, is enjoying the benefits of working in the White House, and they're trying to pretend like they don't even know about the censorship. One of your correspondents, Jake, actually confronted Matt Schlapp about banning me and other conservatives. Yeah, he's the head of CPAC. And there are all these big, I don't care if they're whatever they are, these big bloated Nelly guys, like, oh, hi, oh. And it's just like disgusting. Well, he pretended like he didn't know what, what, uh, what Jake was talking about, but how do you not know? what he's talking about when I was literally the number one trending story on Twitter yesterday for getting banned at CPAC. I don't even have a Twitter, and yet I keep trending on Twitter number one. So when are these people going to learn that no matter how much they ban me, my ideas are so great, and the people want to hear my message so much that they can't suppress it? Notice well, that's it, Laura, is that you're exploding, we're exploding. You, you were on Joe Rogan, and you need to tell Joe Rogan to... Okay, before she gets into that, just so that you guys understand... Uh, what Laura said is that, you know, no matter how much they're trying to suppress to silence, they cannot kill an idea, right? They can't silence us. But the thing is, what they don't like is that they don't own people like Laura Loomer or even Alex Jones, right? He has his own brand of stuff, his vitamins. He, he makes his living without being dependent on them. You know, that means that they have no power over what you say. Kind of like Michelle Malkin, right? The minute the blaze, which is a leftist in disguise, took over CRTV, that was it. She walked, and I would have walked too if I was in her position. No way will I succumb to be dependent on anyone that promotes and pushes their ideologies on me. You cannot do that. That's the thing of being a free person. That's the thing about being your own person is that nobody owns you. You know, everyone on Twitter, including myself, we're walking on eggshells, what we say because of these rules. And we're going to listen to how they make these rules up. I mean, Tim, uh, you know, was pushing, you know, saying, Hey, you know, you're saying that it's like this, but you know, it's only going to one side, which is evident. Oh yeah, we have problems. We're going to take a look at it. That's what the responses were, but take a listen to what Laura says now that destroys even Joe Rogan himself. So much that when he had his podcast yesterday with Jack Dorsey and the head of the thought police, Vijay, let's just call her V so I don't annihilate her name. See, I have a funky long name and I get really upset when people, you know, <laughs> mess it up. So I'm just going to call her V or thought police, chief thought police. There we go. So when the chief of the thought police for Twitter were talking, you know, you know, this podcast, he felt the need to address what Laura Loomer is going to say right now. Just take a listen because this is incredible because I don't even think that Alex Jones knew this. 
stop like nagging me and avoiding me because I've been contacting him and trying to get on his show to set the record straight about Jack Dorsey. And you trended number one, I trended number one, Jacob Wall trended number one. All these people who are banned managed to trend number one. And obviously their censorship isn't gonna work because you can't kill an idea. And people like Joe Rogan, even though he, you know, he caved to everybody's criticism and had you on the show, he wouldn't have done that unless people spoke out. He let Jack Dorsey get away with lying. He said that he didn't know why you were banned. But, you know, one thing that you should have really pressed uh, Joe Rogan on is why he takes money from Twitter. Twitter is one of his donors, one of his sponsors. Did you guys hear that? Why does Joe Rogan take money from Twitter? Remember, I've always said this. Everybody has a price. And the problem that I have with the mainstream media is that they're owned. They have sponsors. They have to, you know, abide with what the sponsors say. I mean, if they're feeding you, you're not going to bite the hand that feeds you, right? And what they hate is that Laura Loomer, and remember, you can always um, donate to her. So far, she's got loomer.rev.co. That's rev with two Vs, R-E-V-V.co. Um, she's sponsored by you. So if you're sending her money, she's doing it for you. But see, people like Joe Rogan, they get paid by Twitter. And this really got under his skin because I'm pretty sure Alex Jones probably didn't know that. And he even said, you know, people have wanted us to address this. I'm going to play that clip for you. But let's just listen to the rest of this. She pointed it out that they get money from Twitter. And you know what sucked? Is that Joe Rogan by doing this, set the field for Twitter to say, yeah, even though the Saudi prince owns stuff, you know, it's not like he has a say. Um, He kind of does, but he just doesn't appear at the meetings himself. But he kind of does. But anyway, let's take a listen. Sponsors. So why is Joe Rogan, if he really is your friend, if he really does care about you on a personal level, why is he taking this blood money from Jack Dorsey? That doesn't look like a very good friend to me, Alex. What I know is whether it's Google or Twitter or Facebook, as long as they allow free speech, I don't care if they're rich and, and they're powerful. I'm just sick of them literally trying to suppress Western speech. I'm, I, it, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, something needs to be done about it. And at CPAC, I actually uh, I wore a freeloomer.com T-shirt. Those are going to be available on my website soon and a red uh, Stop the Bias hat. And I saw Don Jr. And I actually uh, ran through the hallways and I gave Don Jr. one of the Stop the Bias hats. And I uh, I said, hey, you know, when is your dad going to do something about this so, so that all of his biggest supporters are not censored? Don't you think it's time something's done? And he told me he agrees with me. And so I was able to get him to endorse the Stop the Bias movement. And, you know, you can see my video, which I posted on uh, Instagram. And he actually was waving the hat and... Uh, a lot of members of the Trump administration actually approached me this weekend here at CPAC and told me that they're on our side. And well, that's the good news. Uh, yeah, me too. And, I, and I'm glad you're saying that. All right. So you guys heard what Laura said. You guys heard how she told him he can't be your friend. Well, here is the first few seconds of the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, Tim, Tim Pool. Everybody knows and loves him. Vija, what is it? How do, you, how do I pronounce your last Vija. name? Vija. Gatti. Vija, not Vija, Vija. Yes. Vija. Gaddy. Gaddy. And your position at Twitter is? I lead trust and safety, legal and public policy. In other words, thought police. That's a lot. That's a lot. And Jack Dorsey, ladies and gentlemen. Um, first of all, thank you everybody for doing this.
Here we go. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank feels, you. Feels feels yeah. all of a sudden there's tension in the room. We're all loose. <laughs> We're all loosey goosey just a few minutes ago. Tension. And everyone's there's like, no oh, oh, this is really happening. Here we go. Um, before we get started, we should say because there were some uh, things that people wanted to uh, have us talk about. Um, one that the Cash App is one of the sponsors of the podcast. It's been a sponsor for a long time and also a, a giant supporter of my good friend Justin Wren's Fight for the Forgotten Charity, Building Wells for the Pygmies in the Congo. This is very important to me, and I'm very happy that you guys are a part of that. And- Pay attention to what he's saying. He's adding other stuff, you know. He's saying, oh, yeah, you know, Cash App is like our supporters, meaning they pay so that he can have this show going on. But, you know, also other stuff like Building Wells for Pygmies. Pay attention. And you are connected to that. I don't. You are connected to that. He was directing that to Jack Dorsey. You'll hear Jack Dorsey say, yeah, we own it. Uh, that's, I mean, it's easy for someone to say that doesn't have an influence on the way we discuss things, but it doesn't. So if it does, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I'm going to mention, too, just because I don't want people to come out and freak out later. I actually have like 80 shares in Square which isn't really that much, in, you know, but... But it's something. It is, it is. So I don't want people to think, you know, whatever. You, you're you the CEO of Square, I think, right? Yep. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Well, yep, said Jack Dorsey. Yeah. We own, we own okay. the Cash App, so... And we own the Cash App, too. Just so that you guys understand, Laura Loomer got under their skin, and I'm pretty sure uh, right after that interview, Alex Jones might have, you know, I'm speculating here. I don't know this if it's true. Um, because they do have a relationship. They do talk. And like Laura said, if he's your friend, you know, he would have told you this. Um, I would have done the same thing. I, I, I'm saying what I would have done if I was Alice Jones, I would have texted him and said, yo, Twitter funds you Twitter fronts the money for your podcast. And you never told me that. So, and it's really funny how he has Alex Jones. And then, you know, just a couple days later, he brings on Jack Dorsey. Pretty incredible, right? And they that's the first thing they do out of the gates. He addresses the fact that his podcast is owned by Jack Dorsey. You should watch the video. It's on YouTube. And look at the body language between Chief Thought Police and Jack Dorsey when they confirmed, yeah, we own both of those. Now, 80 shares isn't a lot in Square, but I have been constantly pounding on how our senators and congresspersons have stock in things but take a listen here and the reason why we decided to come together is um we had a i thought a great conversation last time but there's a lot of people that were upset that there were some issues that we didn't discuss or didn't discuss in depth enough or they felt that i didn't press you enough i talked to tim because uh you know tim and i have talked before and he made a video about it and i felt like his criticism was very valid so we got on the phone and we talked about it, and I knew immediately within the first few minutes of the conversation that he was far more educated about this than I was. So I said, would you be willing to do a podcast and perhaps do a podcast with Jack? And he said, absolutely. So we did a podcast together. It was really well received. People felt like we covered a lot of the issues that um, they felt like I didn't bring up. And so then... But they didn't bring up a lot in this one either. I mean, Tim really tried, but see, he's well-versed on what he sees on social media. Today, I'm going to break down for you DARPA contracts, federal contracts that Twitter has, which is pretty alarming if you think about it, because what they do and how they silence is just beyond what anyone can fathom um, and how they manipulate 
their words or how they go. Um, we should take a listen to the thought police here. Hold on. Let's play this part. Now is um, around this concept of variety perspective. Like, are we are we encouraging more echo chambers and this filter bubbles, Jack or are we talking. at least showing people other information that might be counter to what they see? And there's there's a bunch of research that would suggest that further emboldens our views. There's also research that would suggest that it at least gives them a consideration about yeah. what they're what they currently believe. So, well, you guys, oh, sorry, given the dynamics of our network being completely public, we're not organized around communities, we're not organized around topics. Um, we have a little bit more freedom to show more of the spectrum of any one particular issue. And I think that's how we would we would approach it from the start. That said, we haven't really dealt much with misinformation more broadly across like these sorts of topics. We've we've focused our efforts on elections and um, well, mainly elections right now. You know, YouTube so, is a different animal. You know, it is, YouTube, it is. someone can really convince you that the earth is flat if you're gullible and you watch a 45-minute YouTube video. Right, right. You know, it's, it's kind of a different thing. But I, wanna, I wanted to just kind of uh, get into that statement you made about misinformation and whether or not you'll police it. So I think, I, I think that the tough part of this is really, and love to have a discussion about this, police. is do you really want corporations to police what's true and not true? Absolutely not. That's a really, really yeah. tough position. But to you guys in. do that. We try not to do that. We don't want to do that. But the you places, do in your rules. But the places that we focus on is where we think that people are going to be harmed by this in a direct and tangible way that we feel a responsibility to correct. What not you correct say, ourselves. In, in your rules, Tim, what do you mean by that? Like, oh, dead naming and misgendering. Dead naming and misgendering. Yeah, yeah. That's a specific ideology that's unique to a very small faction of people in this world that you guys actually ban people for. So the way I think of it is it's behavior-based. And I know you think of it as content, and we can, we can disagree on this point. But this is about why are you doing this to a trans person? Why are you calling them by this name when they've chosen to go by a different name? Or why are you outing them in some way? Like what okay, guys, how scary is that? And I'll tell you why. You know, they pick this transgender dead naming thing. You know, I call Michelle Obama Mike Obama. I do openly. I don't care. You know what? Uh, bottom line, they're just going to ban me because I say it. Um, you know, Bruce Jenner, still a dude. Sorry. I don't care how much lipstick you put on. I remember you as an Olympic athlete. The picture going around on the outfit totally made him look like a dude. Sorry. But here's where it gets really, really weird. So what people don't know is that there were DARPA contracts and they used um, Twitter, literally used Twitter, to monitor and alter thoughts and comments, guess what, surrounding the Bradley Manning, Chelsea Manning conversation. Like Twitter literally got money to allow DARPA to conduct an experiment on their platform to see if they inserted enough sock puppets, that's what they called them then, that they could manipulate the conversations and change people's thoughts about how they viewed, you know, Bradley Manning becoming Chelsea Manning and we paying for it and being in jail and what they did, etc. Like, guys, they got millions upon millions of dollars to allow the government, this is well-documented, well-reported back years ago, that they did this. I wrote an article about it on the Tory Says page because nobody ever wants to 
pick a fight with the Pentagon, right? No one ever wants to call things out. But this is our federal tax money they used to see how sock puppets can change our thought and our perception on transgender, um, you know, tra- you know, the shift from Bradley Manning to Chelsea. And huge debate. Very well documented. There's federal documentation showing this. This is what's crazy. That this woman, the chief thought police person, is sitting there telling you that, well, why do you want to do this? Nobody cares why you want to do this. I don't care. Free speech is ugly. Who are you to say, why are you doing this? If, you know, someone decides that they're a woman, we're supposed to bow down and respect it and call it. But what if I don't want to? You're going to make me? Of course. This is what Twitter is doing. You know, the one thing I have to tip my hat off is that they talked about learn to code. Which all these little conversations that we're going to deconstruct today will show you just how biased and how scary it is that they're having these conversations. Let me just play that where she's talking about the whole, why are you doing this? What is your intent and purpose behind that? So what's your intent and purpose behind it? Meaning now she's a psychologist, right? So we've got a bunch of Indians, you know, because they outsource most of their, you know, flaggers outside of the country that don't even speak English, right? Cheap labor and all. Looking at this stuff and saying, we're now psychologists and we're going to derive your intent. We're going to tell people what your intent is. We're going to decide it. Us here. Thought police at Twitter. Interest of clarity. I, I want to dis- explain what dead naming means. Right, right. So, why don't you uh, go ahead? Dead, so uh, a transgender individual changes their name when they transition. A dead name would be their birth name or the name they went by before the transition. Because yeah. okay. so, uh, my mom's probably going, What? And, I'm and, ready and, for the text. What's a dead name? And I will clarify too your rules specifically say targeted misgendering and dead naming, I believe is correct, right? So, years ago, we, we passed a, a policy that we call our hateful conduct policy, and that prohibits targeting or attacking someone based on their belonging in, a, in, in any number of groups, whether it's because of their religion or their race or their gender, their sexual orientation, their gender identity. So it was, oops, hateful conduct. So if you uh, call someone white trash, if you say, oh, your white privilege is showing, or, you know, that crazy reporter for the New York Times talking about how she wants to kill all white people, that's okay. It's all everybody else, right? So we tell you at Twitter... What we consider hate speech. You know, the Supreme Court has a different idea. The courts have a different idea. You know, free speech is messy and dirty. But here, thought police decides. Same thought police woman that I tweeted out a picture that um, was um, tweeted out by Deco- – oh, I'm going to kill her. her. <laughs> I'm going to totally annihilate her last name. But – um she just tweeted out, um, you know, Adriana, you know, that did the 48 dark thing um, with Laura Loomer. She tweeted out, you know, no bias, wink. And it has this uh, thought police lady. Her um, Twitter handle is at Vijaya. Um, and it says, such an honor to meet Hillary Clinton today. Amazing talk at Twitter, full of great advice and inspiration. And this is from 2014. Of course it is. She guides everything, Queen Clinton. Um, 
So this is a woman that's totally not biased, totally didn't have conversation with a um, presidential candidate, totally isn't biased at all and believes in free speech and a variety of speech. But, you know, it's only the right that has a problem, right? So listen to her try to argue this. Something that's broad-based is that you you can't choose to attack people because of these characteristics. But you do have limits on what characteristics you police. Right, so you're not you're not uh, banning people for for targeted transpecing others, right? Uh, well, we we have also general abuse and harassment rules, right, which says you can't engage in abuse and harassment on the platform. But you, right. can, but you can't detonate someone, but you can call them stupid. Uh, generally, I mean, if you created an account that uh, only was there to call the same person stupid five thousand times, we'd probably view that as a you know targeted harassment targeted harassment right, right. It's, so, a, it's a function of the, it's a function of behavior like mm-hmm. because people with our system can do this in massive velocity mm-hmm. so, so which would ultimately silence you from the platform or just say like i give up i don't want to deal with this thing i'm i'm out mm-hmm. well so there's so uh did you guys hear that oh because someone if they get harassed by someone and i could tell you i can name three twitter handles off the top of my head that were created purely to just harass me purely and i've reported them they're still there nobody cares um, they even doxed me and put my information, address, phone number. They're still there. So y- you guys have to understand there's like a, a, a complete bias. But then Jack Dorsey tries to convince you that what? Oh, don't worry. Um, it's not because, you know, we're just looking that this account is like there to harass you. We just don't want to scare people away from Twitter. We don't want people to say, oh, I'm not going to play on Twitter anymore. I'm not going to get on there anymore because someone's harassing me. No one's protecting me. This is what he's saying. So um, we have to understand this censorship conversation is something that we should have. We should call them out for taking money from the Pentagon to uh, show how they're manipulating um such conversation. So after this short break, um, I want all of you to just, we're just going to sit down and talk about that DARPA contract, what they did with the Chelsea Manning. I can probably guide you to my article that has all the links. Stay tuned. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. 
Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961 Promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Uh, remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Gab at Tori underscore says, always here on Red State, 12 to 2 Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. And obviously, you can find the latest on ToriSays.com. So I'm going to direct you guys, and I'll tweet it out um, soon, an article that I actually wrote on the ToriSays.com page, because obviously nobody wants to take on the Pentagon, right? Um, where it's actually, it was published on November 26, 2018, and it's titled Jack Dorsey lied to Congress under oath. And here's why. So, uh, in there, I put a lot of information and you know, you guys, if you actually read my articles, I put a bunch of Easter eggs in there, uh, so that people can dig a little bit deeper. And you know, it is a fine line, um, when you release information of how much you put out there, but basically, um, all um, munitions to safeguard, I wrote, uh, U.S. citizens from domestic government propaganda campaigns was a trend that began from 2008 when Obama used social media for his campaign. It was well reported uh, through the mainstream media that the reason he won over McCain was because he used social media. And for the past five years, they've been reporting, you know, in the mainstream media that according to the law, which was then upped by President Obama um, right before, you know, his exit of the White House, how, um, you know, they're trying to safeguard. But instead, they're putting muffles. I direct your attention to 2011. Um, in 2011, the Pentagon used special software and algorithms to monitor and influence Twitter as part of a U.S. military project to monitor the Twitter debates over Bradley Manning slash Chelsea Manning pretrial hearing. So why would Jack think that in the age of information, we would forget this? But obviously, I wouldn't expect Joe Rogan to bite the hand that feeds him. I'm calling him out. He could have used this. You know, but obviously... Nobody will do this. No one will call it out. No one will say, wait a minute, Twitter. You've been getting money from the Pentagon. 
to manipulate thought, to manipulate responses, track responses. And specifically, they designed a software, so the Pentagon did, to actually create bots and sock puppets. That's what they used to call bots in order to drive the conversations and then measure the influence they have. You know, then they follow those accounts that have been on those threads to see if they change their opinion. Guys, this is information. This is Orwellian warfare. So even in 2011, General Caldwell deployed what he called InfoWars, not the Alex Jones show InfoWars, InfoWars, Information Operations Team, which is a PSYOP influencing, you know, American politicians as, as, as soon as July, 2011. And they piloted this for the 2012 elections. Like guys, everyone is like, I feel sometimes, and you know, a lot of people don't like, um, some journalists, some reporters or uh, personalities like Alex Jones or Laura Loomer, because they're in your face. Right. And even, President Trump. They say things right out the gate and it's like, boom. And you know, that's sometimes a hard pill to swallow, but how many of us have been so frustrated that you just want to grab the person and shake them and say, wake up, wake up. Like, why aren't you looking? You have access to this. Why aren't you paying attention? I mean, DARPA also um, funded this program uh, to record and analyze the actions and reactions of users of Twitter, including their actions. So if you have a Twitter account and you have a Facebook account, they spied on you to see how, you know, you respond on Facebook. And there was a controversial experiment that Facebook was, you know, completely uh, blown apart from on how to control emotions by manipulating news feeds. Like this is what should have been the conversation, Joe Rogan. This was the missed opportunity where you call him out, but you're not going to do it because he funds your show. I go back to the thing of patriots and patriots are the ones that take money and use that to soften the blows against their funders, soften the blows, because I felt like this was the most benign wannabe hardcore interview. Like Tim came in at, you know, talked about learn to code, made them uncomfortable, but it could have been even more uncomfortable if they were armed with this knowledge. This is the knowledge you need to come at them with documentation, federal documentation that indicates that they have been working with the government. And what Tim said on many occasions, it's like, you are influencing elections. You are silencing. It's only going one way. And, you know, he said, you know, one grain of sand, you know, creates a pileup. I've said it. Slight changes over time yield huge results. And this is where the results come down to. Pretty incredible, right? So let's um, listen. Hold on. Let me pull up the right time for you guys. I think it was like an hour in where he got low down on it. Let's go. Here we go. Let's see. That's it? Yeah. We we have we have four thousand employees. The the reason That's crazy though, but stop and think about that. Four thousand people that are monitoring hundreds of millions of tweets. No, no, no. We we have a we have a we have a small team who's monitoring uh tweets and some of them are employed by us, some of them are contractors throughout 
small team that view and contractors, remember what I said about offshore, right? So they're not really technically employees. And if you contract out to one company and contract out to another and then another, you know, they're not really your employees, are they? Here we go. Throughout the world. So 4,000 employees total. 4,000 employees who are engineers, who are designers, who are lawyers. So the number of people actually monitoring tweets is probably less than 1,000? Well, the reason we don't give out specific numbers is we need to scale these dynamically. No, the reason that they don't give out these numbers is because they don't want you to know that there's a bunch of call centers that have, you know, that are taking calls for, you know, infomercials that on the side are running through tweets. And, you know, they happen to sit in India or the Philippines and just click, click, click. Does it have these keywords? Ban, ban, ban. Suspend, suspend, suspend. Flag, flag, flag. Or put them in this box because what you'll realize is that Twitter monitors all your accounts. So every clown that is triggered that reports you is a flag on your account. And then when you have so many flags, like a thousand flags, two million flags, suddenly, you know, for something benign, you will be completely, you know, suspended and put in Twitter jail uh, because all of these snowflakes were upset that you pointed out a fact or they didn't agree with you calling abortion murder or saying, Hey, you know, maybe if you, Go for your next abortion. Why don't you just get sterilized so you don't have to kill, keep killing babies? Because that's why someone was banned. Um, so <laughs> let's take a listen to more. This is really creepy, guys. These people are working with this fourth unelected branch of government, manipulating our thoughts, our emotions, and they're sitting here like, oh, we're public, we're open, we're this. But, you know, we're going to get into it just to break down how fake this interview is and this one because Joe wanted to show everyone that there's hundreds of millions of users on Twitter. So it's really hard to filter through all of them. But Tim made a good point. Funny how you can't filter through all of them, but mostly the right only pay attention. Right. If we see a particular event within a, with a country, we might hire a hundred more people on contract to deal with it. Right. Whereas they may. A particular event like what elections, huh? Is that it, Jack? So if there's an event like elections, a coup, a murder, an assassination, uh, you know, an out, you know, where, you know, yellow vest movements, that's when you hire so you can buffer that. Because guess what? They have contracts with all these countries, too, including Pakistan. May not be full time and, and, and with us the entire time. And would but- they, they have the ability to take down tweets? Uh, they, have, they have the. So as we get reports, it goes into a queue. And those are ranked by severity. And then we have people who look at our rules and look at the look at the tweets and look at the behavior and the context around it. And they have the ability to go down that enforcement spectrum that Vijay talked about. One, make people log in, read why it's a violation over a tweet and delete it. Two, temporary suspensions. And finally, a permanent suspension, which is the absolute last resort, which we ultimately do not want to do. We want to make sure that our rules are also guided towards incentivizing more healthy conversation and, and more more participation. So what's healthy for them, right? Uh, you know, kind of like Corey Spartacus Booker, who just wants to ban meat because he's, he's vegan, vegetarian, and, you know, people that eat meat are crazy, and we need to fix that and, you know, have 3D printed meat steaks. You know, they get to pick. 
This is the thought police. Their opinions count. They say what's a healthy conversation. Healthy conversation is victimizing people. Healthy conversation is talking about how everyone should be all hugging and wearing Birkenstocks and granola munching and hugging trees and not having airplanes and using only trains and waiting for the wind to blow so you can watch TV. This is what they're saying. Listen in between the words. So, so, let, so let me ask you, um, the rules you have are not based in U.S. law, right? U.S. law doesn't recognize restrictions on hate speech. It's considered free speech. So if you want to stand on a street corner and yell the craziest things in the world, you're allowed to. On your platform, Twitter, you're not allowed to. So even in that sense alone, your rules do have an ideology behind them. I don't completely disagree. I think, you know, I don't want harassment. Um, but the reason I bring this up is getting into the discussion about democratic health of a nation. So I think it's it can't be disputed at this point that Twitter is extremely powerful in influencing elections. You know, I, I'm pretty sure you guys published recently a bunch of tweets from foreign actors that were trying to meddle in elections. Mm -hmm. So even you as a company recognize that foreign entities are trying to manipulate people using this platform. See, this is – okay, so Tim is making some great points, like I've said from the beginning, though he only sees it from the point of the social media aspect without actually delving into these federal – uh, U.S. federal contracts and the contracts they have with other governments. Okay, let's – other governments. So, you know, he's talking from that POV. I'm talking from the IC, the intelligence community POV, okay? This is what we need to be paying attention to because this is multifaceted. And, you know, we have Joe throwing – softballs and trying to excuse how they don't have a lot of time. We have Tim saying, well, it's kind of always right leaning. Like what's going on here? Um, and then we have them admitting that because reporters were massively fired and people were mocking them because these were the same people that were saying that minors, you know, and truck drivers that are going to lose their job because, you know, they're not skilled should learn to code. So obviously if you tell a journalist who just got fired, maybe you want to learn to code. It's hate speech. So, he makes some good points, but, you know, they were prepared. It's like they knew what he was going to come at, and they tried to manipulate the response to it. But what he's saying here, take a listen. Platform. Mm -hmm. So I, I, there's a few things I want to ask beyond this, but if wouldn't it be important then to just, as a, at a certain point, Twitter becomes so powerful in influencing elections and giving access to even the president's tweets that you should allow people to use the platform based under the norms of U.S. law? First Amendment, free speech, right to expression on the platform. This is becoming too much uh, of a – it's becoming too powerful in how our elections are, are taking place. So even if you are saying, well, hate speech is our rule and a lot of people agree with it, if at any point one person disagrees, there's still an American who has a right to this – you know, to access to the public discourse and you've essentially monopolized that and, and not completely but for the most part. So isn't there some responsibility on you to guarantee at, at a certain extent less regulation happen? Right. Like, look, so I want to make a point. Right. So what he's saying is we know that Twitter is a public platform. Everybody goes there. They want to see what the news are. And our president uses it as a public platform. Here's a really good point that people have missed. Twitter keeps saying that if you open up an account purely just to harass someone particularly. Right. And that you're just constantly harassing them, you'll be banned. And obviously, you'll hear later with the Jacob Wall um, discussion how they said um, 
that, you know, if you have multiple accounts and we find out that you're linked, we're going to ban you too. So here it is. Oh, and just so you know, I have my light on if any of these people are listening and have the guts to phone in. Um, I have, I have my phone lines open throughout both my hours. The number's 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. Here's the deal. Ed, the Krasistein brothers, they've come out with their own words to say that they use Twitter purely to harass and put tweets under the president's threat. But is it because he's a president that the harassment and, you know, the behavior patterns of Twitter don't count? Huh? That's a question. They say, if you're just there just to harass someone, you know, and nothing else, then, you know, you'll be banned. But these guys are not banned. But I'll give you the best example. That clown, Eugene. Eugene Yu, right? He sued the president because the president blocked him. The court said that the president couldn't block him because he has the right to access presidential communications on a public forum, right? So the court just said that this is a public forum and everyone should have access to it. (laughs) So Twitter can argue, well, you don't need an account to see the president's tweets. Okay. But here's where the rules don't apply. If you guys go to Medi Twitter, it's a hashtag medical students use, doctors use. There was a huge scandal of how Eugene was ousted for having another Twitter account and pretending to be a girl to make his girlfriend jealous. No joke. Look it up. Google it. It's well documented. But he's still a verified account. He had another account. He pretended he was someone else. And you know what? They go in later and we'll probably play a few where they actually look at your DMs because it'll be crazy if you see just how creepy it is on what kind of depth of searches they did on Jacob Wall to ban him. We're talking violations of privacy, violations of civil rights to link these accounts to him and then ban him. But they didn't do it for other accounts like Tim will point out. But I'm pointing out the most evident one. They're like, we don't really news, news reports. You know, we have to have verifiable evidence. Well, Eugene is verified. Eugene has been called out on Twitter, you know, two years ago for having an alternate personality and pretending to be a girl to make his girlfriend jealous on Twitter. You know, this is well documented on Twitter. He used the same phone number, uh, you know, to go back and forth on those accounts. And yet he still lives on the internet and his primary goal is not tweeting about medicine because he was fired. It's not tweeting about anything. It's just harassing the president. But you know, that doesn't apply. You know, because it's the left and it'll become more evident. And we just deconstruct this because if Joe Rogan was actually fair, he would have pointed these things out or, and you know, he admitted he's not really well versed on it. Okay. Tim is kind of, but there are really staunch examples that could have been used. Uh, other POVs that should have been used. And if you're going to do a show like this, you should get perspectives from the, the social media side and from the intelligence community side, from other investigative journalists that have done their homework, the same investigative journalists that called you out for being paid by Twitter. So let's, um, let's continue a little bit on what the responses to what um, Tim Pool said. Look, if you, if you recognize foreign governments are manipulating ele- our elections, 
then shouldn't you guarantee the right to an American to access this platform to be involved in the electoral process? I'm not sure I see the, the, the tie between those things, but I will address one of your points, which was, uh, we're not, we're a platform that serves the world. So we're a global. Uh, 75% of the users of Twitter are outside of the United States. Oh, right, right, right. So we don't uh, apply laws of just one country when we're thinking about it. We think about um, how do you have a global standard that can meet the threshold of as many countries as possible because we want all the people in the world to be able to participate in this I, conversation. I, and, 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 so, and also meet elections like the Indian election coming up as well. Right. And yeah. I'm, 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 my understanding is you were also accused of being biased against conservatives in India recently. There was a report on that, as well as you held up a sign that said something offensive about the Brahmin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that sense, even in other countries, you're accused of the same things that you're being accused of by America. And see, what he pointed out is right. This is what I'm saying. They have contracts with political parties in other countries. The hot mess that's going on now in India and Pakistan, Twitter is driving the conversation. And Twitter is driving the conversation on the radical Islamic front. Just so happens that the Saudi prince. Because this is why Michelle Malkin got the notice, hey, Pakistan is pursuing you. Which means, Michelle, do not travel near the area. They will kidnap you and they will put you in jail forever ever, and then punish you by death. Because here's the thing. These are little things that you can see that they're upholding their deal with the radical Islamist group in Pakistan. They manipulate elections in every single country. People are complaining all the time. It's not just here. Pay attention, people. Twitter is not a public platform. It's an intelligence group owned by interests that are driving the conversation. Take a listen. American conservatives. I think that the situations are very, very different, um, and I don't think that that the ideologies in play are the same at all. Well, so the, the reason could I you, bring can up- we clarify that because I'm well, not aware I just, of the case. I, I I'm not sure what you're talking about, but we we did have our uh, vice president of public policy testify in front of Indian Parliament uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was they were really focused on election integrity and safety and abuse and harassment um, of women and political figures and the likes. So did you hear that? Well, obviously, a lot of us didn't hear that they've been called to different parliaments and oversight committees to testify. And again, they lie under oath because they can. Because remember, it's the interest that pay them. And what India is saying is that you're driving the conversation. You're, you're suppressing speech. You're promoting other speech. And you know what's funny is that they outsource a lot of their people out in India. So it's like hilarious. It's like you're chasing your own tail. How do you fix this? Internet Bill of Rights, of course. But here in the United States, it's by saying you either abide by U.S. laws or you're not a U.S. company and you can move your business elsewhere and whoever wants to can follow. That's where I would put my foot down. Because this is insulting us. This is manipulating us. They are using every trick in the book to manipulate us. Let's just finish up by listening to her response to this. So, so my, my, my concern, I guess, is I, I recognize you're a, globe, you're a company that serves the world, but as an American, I have a concern that the democracy I live in, the Democratic Republic, I'm sorry, and the democratic functions are healthy. One of the biggest threats is you know, Russia, and Iran, uh, Russia, Iran, China. They're trying to meddle in our elections using your platform, and it's effective, so much so that you've actually come out and removed many people. You know, Covington was apparently started by a account based in Brazil. You know, the Covington scandal where this fake news goes viral 
was reported by CNN that it was a it was a dummy account. They were trying to prop it up and they were pushing out this out of context information. So they do this. They use your platform to do it. You you've now got a, a platform that is so powerful in our American discourse that foreign governments are using it as weapons against us, and you've taken a stance against the the laws of the United States. I don't mean like against like you're breaking the law. I mean. You, you have rules that go beyond the scope of the U.S., which will restrict American citizens from being able to participate. Meanwhile, foreign actors are free to do so, so long as they play by your rules. So our elections are being threatened by the fact that if there's an American citizen who says, I do not believe in your misgendering policy, and you ban them, that person has been removed from public discourse on Twitter. Right, but they don't get banned for saying they don't agree with it. They get well, no, no, banned no. Right. for sure. specific... Here's Joe Rogan jumping in to save Twitter. ...violating it by targeting an individual. Let's, let's say in protest, an individual repeatedly says, no, I refuse to use your pronouns, in like Megan Murphy's case. And she's a Canadian, so I don't want to use her specifically. The point I'm trying to make is, at a certain level, there are going to be American citizens who have been removed from this public discourse, which has become so absurdly powerful, foreign governments weaponize it, because you have different rules than the American country has. So just to, to be clear, my understanding, and I'm not expert on all the platforms, is that foreign governments use multiple, multiple different yes. ways to uh, interfere in elections. It is and not limited to our platform, nor is it limited to social media. But the president and is on Twitter. Right? The president is on a lot of different platforms, as is the White House. Uh, I think it's fair to point out the media coverage of his Twitter account is insane, and they, they run news stories every time he tweets. That's and so, certainly undeniable. So, I, I'm just pointing out that there are a number of different avenues well, the, for the, so that's the excuse they're using. They're using the excuse that, oh, well, you can access information somewhere else. You don't have to be here, you know, because this is how they all collude with each other. YouTube, Google, Facebook, Twitter, because they all have accounts. They all have contracts and they all have these sexy memorandums of understanding. And these are highly classified, hence the skirting of the issue and no one wanting to talk about it. I mean, you know, we need to get serious about this because they are affecting our elections. You know, when the elections were coming up in 2018, I had a conversation with Laura and I was like, man, you know, uh, it's just going to be a matter of time before they silence you because you're, you're, you know, you're dishing on Ellison, on Rashida, on Omar. And what did they do? Seven day ban. And boom, right after that permanent ban, permanent ban. And, you know, um, in the second half hour, we'll, we'll, um, kind of elaborate on these contracts. I'll give you some um, unclassified portions of these contracts and what they do and how they work, but how this ties in to the FISA warrants too. Um, because they literally got caught with their pants down when they addressed the DMs. The DMs are really important. You need to listen to it. They're really, really important. And what this woman is saying, who by the way is wearing a jacket that I have too, um, I have the same jacket. Um, she's dangerous and she is scary because she is trying to make something that is so, um, terrifying, benign. And Jack Dorsey is pretty much laying it there. And I, you know, Joe, I love you. I, I've listened to your podcast, but this, you know, this is shameful. I'm sorry. I would never ever bow down to that. I'll see you all in a few after this short break.
February. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Um, this is the second hour of the Tori Says Show on March 6th, 2019. So we've been talking about censorship and the manipulation of uh, speech online, uh, the censorship, uh, the maneuvering that they've been doing uh, uh, since 2008, where they tested the waters um, with Obama's uh, first run at, you know, to become president. And like I said, there have been many research projects conducted by the Pentagon under the Obama administration to um, understand how to manipulate thought, feelings, responses to very controversial topics. You know, when you're on the internet, a lot of people have been talking about this. I did a whole AI thing, uh, you know, the internet already knows if you are, you know, a fan of Madonna, if you like Cardi B, uh, if you like to watch really weird videos on Facebook like me where there's like little people with like really long nails, you know, or just really trashy people, um, you know, the really weird stuff that's online. The internet knows you better than anyone that knows you in person. But Facebook, just like Twitter, um, at you know a few years ago was under a lot of scrutiny. We're talking like 2014, right? This is where they stepped up their game. This is where Hillary was meeting meeting with Twitter and Facebook, and that picture was in 2014. But it was um, it was pretty much put on a bullhorn on how he revealed how they decided they can make you and i feel happier sadder with um just a few algorithms in place uh by manipulating what your news feed is and what you see and basically it would take your home page and found you know how um the process how how they can manipulate you to be to feel better or worse through em, emotional contagions so basically cornell um and the university of california worked with facebook so you know it's again the liberal colleges and the money from the government they work together to filter what news feeds we have to see how we respond and so 
They tested it by us not seeing our friends, by interjecting ads, uh, or if someone's sitting there, you know, one of your friends is putting really sad stuff, like someone died, or we broke up, or it's complicated, you know, they changed a relationship status, or, you know, put something negative, they would remove those negative things to see if that changed your mood on how you responded. And this is completely under your nose. They just had access to this. So they, not only that, but, you know, they looked at your text messages through Facebook. And you know, a lot of people have said it, like if you're on, you know, Facebook, um, on the messenger and you're talking through the phone, I urge you to try this experiment. Stop, start talking about something like, Oh, I need a new sweater and I'm looking for a sweater that's red or whatever. Suddenly in your feed, you're going to see, uh, information regards in regards to clothes and maybe that sweater or an ad that has that color sweater. I mean, this stuff is real. And so they um, concluded with their study that emotions that your friends express on social media influence your own moods. So if someone's, you know, complaining or posting a lot of political stuff like me on my personal Facebook, so only like friend status, it's like usually stuff about my family, right? But on like the public status, I'll just put things out like, oh, look, pedophiles, they're a protected class. I just keep sharing tons of articles like that. Look, another pedophile getting away and not getting prison time. Or like yesterday, a police officer who raped a child didn't get any prison time. These are like a protected class. So I know that if you're watching my stuff, you're getting PO'd definitely. Cause you're like, how is this even happening? So, you know, that makes sense. So lawyers and activists, you know, were saying that this is like disturbing. And of course it is. You're prying into my personal privacy and you're using it for your experiment. But the experiments had one goal, how to manipulate the whole nation, how to manipulate elections, how to manipulate how you vote and how you think about things. Remember, we've had extensive shows here where we're talking about how they interject these social grievances in our TV shows. They're like in there. They're telling us, you know, white privilege. They're telling us how we must accept people uh, like this, how we need to use proper pronouns, right? They say all this stuff. It's not like it's news. Gosh, I'm dying with this cold. Okay, so I want to move over to the part where they're talking about DMs and what they're doing, like a single letter tweeting and how they're following threads. Just, you guys need to listen to this portion of the conversation. Like, it is nefarious just to think what they can do. And I'm really glad that Tim brought this up. Okay, let's play this the right to control what people are allowed to say. No private or uh, look, I'm a social liberal. I think we should regulate you guys because you are unelected officials running your system the way you see fit against the wishes of a democratic republic. And there are people who disagree with you who are being excised from public discourse because of your ideology. That terrifies me. And we can take it one step so, further. So Tim, look, just, just so I understand. So are you suggesting that we don't have any policies around uh, abuse and harassment on the platform? Oh my gosh, right? She didn't just say that. Uh, abuse and harassment, like if it's against the law, yeah, sure. If it's not against the law, U.S. laws, then you have no right to interject. I'm, I'm trying to understand what, what it is I you're think. saying because I'm not, I'm not sure I'm following you. So you, you don't think we... How condescending. You need to see her. She's like, oh, so you want us to just let it be? Watch. You should have any rules about abuse and harassment. So even the, the threats that you received that you Under mentioned... Under U.S. That we law. Did, 
but you mentioned a number of ref- threats that you received and you were quite frustrated that we hadn't taken action on them. You think we shouldn't have rules well, that I'm frustrated that. because of the hypocrisy of so when I when I see only I see the flow of one direction. And then what I see are Republican politicians who in my opinion are just too ignorant to understand what the hell's going on around them, and I see people burning signs that say free speech. I see you openly saying we recognize the power of our platform and we're not going to abide by American norms. I see the manipulation of Twitter for uh, in violation of our elections. I see Democratic operatives in Alabama waging a false flag campaign using fake Russian accounts. And the, and, the, and the guy who runs that company has not been banned from your platform, even after it's been written by the New York Times he was doing this. So we know that not only are people manipulating your platform, you have rules that remove honest American citizens with bad opinions who have a right to engage in public discourse. And it's like you recognize it. But you like having the power? I'm, I'm not quite so, sure at what point. So just point- to get back to my point. So you believe that Twitter should not have any rules about abuse and harassment or any sort of hate speech on the platform. That That's your position. Well, that's 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 uh, uh, extremely reductive. I don't know. That may, may be too simplistic. The point I'm trying to make is. But, but that you is have, a you- point you're trying to make. No, he's not trying to make that point. She's trying to manipulate what he's saying. No, he's not making that point, V. Chief Thought Police, he's not making that point. He's making the point that you're selectively choosing when to apply hate speech. And who are you to define hate speech? You're not the Thought Police, and we need to start regulating them. You're you're asking us to comply with the U.S. law that would criminalize potential speech and put people in jail for it, and you're asking us to enforce those. Yes, we are. If there's hate speech that can criminalize people and throw them in jail, do it. Those standards. Crimin- crimin- well, I mean, if you incite death, you will. That's a crime. You can go. You can go to jail for that. So, at the very least, you could. You, like when you when you have people on your platform who've committed a crime and you don't ban them, I say, well, that's really weird. And then when you have people on your platform who say a bad naughty word, you do ban them. I say, well, that's really weird. I mean, I've seen people get banned for for tweeting an N to you. Right? I understand what they're trying to do when they tweet letters at you, Jack. But they get suspended for it, and they get a threat. You know, like you can't. Let's let's talk about learn to code. Wait a minute. What, right? what, 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 do, you, what do you mean by that? I haven't. Yeah. So, Okay, so here's where it gets the creepy part, and this will help us understand these um, algorithms and these uh, research uh, government contracts for this from this fourth branch unelected government that um, you know uh, implements through these social media platforms. Listen to this, and this is where Joe Rogan interjects and you know puts it out. He's like, "Wait, what do you mean by the one letter? I don't get it." So, I so, haven't seen that. So, so what, what are they uh, trying to do? There are people. Okay, so Jack Dorsey said, I haven't seen that. Yet they tweeted it to him, and that's why they were banned. And it was people pushing the envelope to see if there were ways around their algorithms. But the thing is, there are no ways because they will even reveal to you that they look at your DMs and your whole conversation and who you interact with and who tweets with you. Listen. People who know that they can tweet a single letter and the next person knows what letter they need to tweet. You see what I'm saying? So you'll see... You know, one user will say N, the next user will put an I, the next user will really? put a G. Yes. And so they get suspended for doing so. And, and these are these are the people who are trying to push the buttons on the rules, right? They get suspended for that? Absolutely. So because that I think – seems... but, but, but here's, here's the thing. I think, I think your team understands what they're doing. However, you get really dangerous territory if someone, someone accidentally tweets an N and you assume they're trying to engage in a harassment campaign, which is why yeah, I but... said let's talk about learn to code. But- so here's the thing. Remember, they have these Q things um, that they're like, you know, cues as in words um, that they trigger and they'll like automatically flag you for it. So, you know, everyone that, um, you know, tweets out and puts hashtag Q and QAnon, they're flagged. 
they're on the ready. They've been put in a different list and there is an algorithm for that. This is where the learn to code thing kind of breaks down their suggestions of how they do it. But then they tell you they make new policies of it. And even though it's something benign and it's something that the leftist media started and didn't want to be used for them, they're still on that bias. Guys, this is, this is the most important part because what we're going to be discussing in the way of how DARPA, how the government, how this fourth unelected branch is looking at everything we do and how they're learning us day by day. And this is how they're able to suppress our speech is because they don't just look at a tweet I'll send. Say I respond to Rosie O'Donnell and I'm like, oh, shut your pie hole, right? And, you know, someone else that's, that follows me or interacts with me says pie hole and then another one, your. And then, you know, we're all, you know, obviously following each other. So then all of us could get banned it, because they're, they notice and then we get flagged as being part of a hate group. Guys, this is like for real stuff. Take a listen. But we do we do look at coordination of of accounts. We're, we're not, that we're not just so that's Jack Dorsey saying we do look at coordination of accounts. Direct messages. Uh, I don't know about direct messages, but on, do you on, read on direct the, messages? We don't read direct messages. We don't read them no. unless someone reports a direct message to us that they have received. And so you read their direct message that they send to you. So if if you have a direct message and someone says something terrible, and then like you receive a death mm -hmm. threat and you report that to us. Then you read it. Then we would read it because you've reported it to us. Do, does anyone in the company have access to direct messages other than that? Um, only in the context, again, of reviewing reports that we Other received. than that, they're not accessible? Um, not to my knowledge. I, I don't know what you mean. Like, we're I mean, not accessible. reading them. We're like, not reading them. Is it possible that someone could go into Tim's direct messages and just read his direct messages? Her body language says she's lying. She shifted her position and blinked and moved. The body language is always a tell, you know, the most telling sign. She's totally lying. I don't think so. So if Tim writes an N and I write an I and Jamie writes a G, can you go into our direct messages and say, hey, let's fuck with Jack and we're going to write this stuff out and we're going to do it and let's, let's see if they, they ban us. You can't read that. I don't think so. But so if that's the case, I don't want Oh, he caught her and he shouldn't have done that because she was really upset. She looked at him like, I can't believe you just said that. Did you know if there was a concerted effort? But I, I think what he's saying is like if we if we do see those train of replies, mm -hmm. then that is that is coordination. You know what people are doing, right? Yes. The point sure, I'm trying to make is how do you prove it? Well, I think beyond the N, uh -huh. like you know, the first person to put the letter, you can't right. prove he did it, but everybody else, you kind of can. But right? I don't. But I don't think we would. Well, I've uh, look. I, I can say this. I've been sent numerous screenshots from people. Screenshots can be faked. I recognize it, but I I have seen people actually tweet. And then I've seen the tweet follow up. Right after one one letter, though? Yeah, someone tweeted at you. Uh, someone decently high profile, like a big YouTuber, tweeted an N at you and then got like a 12-hour suspension. Hmm. I didn't see yeah. it. But let's talk about learn to code, right? And, and why are people being suspended for ha tweeting hashtag learn to code? Okay, so this is a really good argument, and we talked about it um, a while back. Uh, about this whole learn to code, you know, this was in reaction to how the leftist media was laughing and making fun of blue collar workers, miners, you know, the deplorables, the people that work hard and actually contribute to our federal tax pooling of money. And they said, well, maybe they just need to learn to code, kind of like the subtle message that this candidate, Andrew Yang, is pushing. But here is where they trip up on their words on, oh, uh, the, like, uh, uh, 
you know, and what sucks is, is that you can't say learn to code. You know, that is a legit response to someone that's young. Maybe you should learn to code. You know, I've taught my kids to code. I know how to code. Um, that is the future, right? Everything is, um, program related, algorithm related, you know, for me being a mathematician, a, a, a novice, right? Because I don't have a degree unlike my child in mathematics, you know, I have though pretty much taken everything up to ther theoretical, um, graduate level classes. So I've, I appreciate just how important learning to code is, but you can't use that anymore. And they tell you how they made it part of the policy and why. And, and, and he goes on to pretty much shame them. So these reporters get together and they're crying because someone reiterated back what they said a while back to blue collar workers. And now it's hate speech. Yep. We, we did some research on this. Yes, we did some research on this. Um, so there was a, a situation in, I guess about a month ago or so, where uh, a number of journalists were receiving a variety of tweets, um, some containing uh, learn to code, some containing uh, a bunch of other um, coded language that was wishes of harm. These were thousands and thousands of tweets being directed at a hand. Coded language of wishes of harm. Really? Um, so now they're decoding your messages. So not only are they reading your tweets, watching who you interact with, uh, looking at your DMS and having a trend profile, literally profiling you on Twitter of what bucket you fall into, uh, now, and, and also they're psychologists because they can also tell you what your intent was, right? When the intent is evident from the Krasserstein brothers, they've actually been caught on video saying, well, we get paid to go and harass the president and put our messages up. Or Eugene Yu, that his sole purpose on Twitter is to tweet under the president and spew hate, presidential harassment. But, you know, you get thrown in the bucket. Listen to what she says. So creepy. Handful of journalists. And we did some research and what we found was uh, a number of the accounts that were engaging in this behavior, which is tweeting at the journalists with this either learn to code or things like day of the rope and other coded language, uh, were actually um, ban evasion accounts. That means accounts that had been previously suspended. And we also learned that there was a targeted campaign being organized off our platform to abuse and harass these journalists. That's not true. So see, see, here's the thing. An activist who works for NBC wrote that story and then lobbied you. You issued an official statement. And then even the editor-in-chief of The Daily Caller got a suspension for tweeting Learn to Code at the, da at the Daily Show. So I have never talked to anybody from NBC about this issue, so I'm right, not but sure. They were, no, so they report it. Don't misrepresent me. They report it. The narrative goes far and wide amongst your circles. Then all of a sudden you're seeing high-profile conservatives tweeting a joke getting suspensions. So – Oh, so they're denying that they're talking with the media. You know, what's funny is, is like they're triggered by learn to code and day of the rope, day of the rope. Really? That our, our president, like Scott Adams says, is the best rope salesman. They are hanging themselves. That's basically what it is. The way that they were writing stories, the camp that they decided to die on that, you know, disgraced hill of leftist progressive, disgusting progressive, it's not even, pro it's regressive, regressive ideologies are the reason they got fired because nobody wants to read that BS at all. But this is where it gets creepy. Like he pointed out, you know, 
prominent people were banned. You're saying that learn to code was bad. You're, you know, NBC reported that they talked to you. They lobbied for this, you know, kind of like the way care lobbied, kind of like the way everyone lobbied to ban Laura Loomer. But I didn't see them deleting any tweets where people were like, die, Jew, you know, B word, or you need to, you know, someone kill her. They didn't ban any of those accounts ever. Take a listen. Oh, again, some of these tweets actually contained um, death threats, wishes of harm, other coded language that we've seen to mean um, death to journalists. So it wasn't about just the learn to code. It was about the context that we were Can seeing. We, come on, that's, that's just not true. That's just not true. The editor-in-chief of the Daily Caller was suspended for tweeting nothing but hashtag learn to code. So, Tim, can I, can I finish what I was saying? Yeah. So we were looking at the context, and what was happening is there were journalists receiving hundreds of tweets. Some had death threats. Some had wishes of harm. Some just learned to code. And in that particular context, we made a decision. We consider this this type of behavior but dogpiling, which is when all of a sudden individuals are getting tons and tons of tweets at them. They feel very abused and harassed on the can platform. We, can we pause this because yeah, this is super go. confusing for people who don't know the context? The, the learn to code thing is in response to people saying that people that are losing their jobs, like coal miners and truck drivers and things like that, could learn to code. This was it was almost like in jest initially, or if it wasn't in jest initially, it was so poorly thought out as a suggestion that people it's, started look, mocking it. Right? Look, correct. So the, the, correct? Fir- the first stories that came out were simply like, "Can miners learn to code?" It was right. no coal Ill. miners, right? And the, the the hashtag learn to code is just a meme. It's not right. even necessarily a conservative one, though you will see more conservatives using but it. It was people are using it to mock how stupid the idea of taking a person who's uneducated, who's in their fifties, who should uh, learn some new form of vocation and then someone says learn to code and so then other people when they're losing their job or when something's happening people would write learn to code because it's a meme well not, right? not, not even necessarily i would i would just characterize learn to code as a meme that represents the uh, elitism of modern journalists and how they target certain communities with disdain okay so so to to, to make that point there are people who have been suspended for tweeting something like <coughs> i'm not too happy with how you know buzzfeed reported the story hashtag learn to code Right, making representation of these people are snooty elites who live in ivory towers. But the, uh, but but again, you know, this is a meme that has nothing to do with harassment. But you know, it's some people might be harassing somebody and might tweet it. Why would we expect to see? Even still today, I'm still getting messages from people with screenshots saying I've been suspended for using a hashtag. And the editor in chief of the Daily Caller, right? He 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 he, he took he quote tweeted a video from the Daily Show with hashtag Learn to Code, and he got a suspension for it. So why why learn to code? Why is that alone so egregious? And I don't think it is so egregious. I so think is that it that's just something background. that got stuck in an algorithm? Uh, no, it was, a, a, again, a specific set of issues that we were seeing um, targeting a very specific set of journalists. And it wasn't just the learn to code. It was a couple of things going on. A lot of the accounts tweeting learn to code were ban invaders, which means they've okay. previously been suspended. A lot of the accounts had other language in them, or tweets had other language, like day of the brick, day of the rope, oven ready. These are all coded meanings for violence against people. Right. Um, and so, and the people who are receiving this were receiving hundreds of these in what appeared to us to be a coordinated harassment campaign. And so we were trying to understand the context of what was going on and take action on them. Because, again, I don't know, Joe, if you've ever been the target of a dogpiling event on Twitter, but it is not particularly fun when thousands of people or hundreds of people are tweeting at Mm -hmm. you and saying things. And that's 
can be viewed as a form of harassment. It's not about the individual tweet. It is about the volume of things that are being directed at you. I understand. And so in that particular case, we made the judgment call, and it is a judgment call, um, to take down the tweets that were responding directly to these journalists that were saying learn to code, even if they didn't have a wish of harm specifically attached to them because of what we viewed as coordinated attempt uh, to harass them. And again, like I was saying, some of the other signals encoded language. And we were worried that learn to code was taking on a different meaning, meaning I understand what in you're that saying. particular context. So, but in and of itself, though, it still seems like there's alternative meanings to learn to code. It still could be used, as Tim was saying, to mm-hmm. mock a lib- uh, you know, elite snooty... Speak truth to power. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. absolutely. Yes. I agree with you. So it's really about the context of what was happening in that situation and all those other things. I think in a very different situation, we would not take action on that. Mm, okay. The very different situation, obviously, if it's directed to a conservative, right? Now... Um, just so you guys understand, this is a coordinated effort of censorship. In her own words, this chief of thought police said that they made a judgment call. So they decide that they need to stick up for the Huffington Post, you know, and what I saw was that Joe Rogan changes where he's like, so, you know, if someone tweets out, learn to code for a lit, you know, journalist, he stopped. He didn't use the word liberal or um, libtards, but you know, and I understand he doesn't want to agitate the waters because they, the people that he had across from him feed him. But, you know, it's important for us to understand now when we get into the very slight and kind of cryptic statements uh, you'll hear in the last half hour of just how coordinated this effort is and spans across from thought control to changing your feelings, to monitoring who you interact with, who you follow, who you DM, what information you exchange, and simple things like a letter, which, you know, in this case was just to see if they could get around the coding. Um, And that actual attempt indicated that they look at it as a whole. Like they have algorithms that look at the full interaction, which is scary, very very scary. This should make everyone feel fear. This is why it is important that we get regulations on these social media companies before 2020. And Hillary Clinton and her her tweet of that political article that had targeted 200 Twitter accounts should make everyone worried. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. 
Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 700 2978 855 if you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back to the last half hour of the Tori Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today I kind of took pieces from this um, interview with um, that Joe Rogan had with Tim and uh, Jack Dorsey and his uh, thought police chief, right? And where they sat down and they discussed, you know, and advocated for why they make such decisions. What people need to realize is that... Um, our elections, as you know, have always been manipulated. There were times in history, and obviously due to technological access, advancements, and communication means, um, sometimes there were hiccups and people like Abraham Lincoln were voted in. People like McKinley, Garfield, JFK, and Reagan. Throughout history, the deep state has let you know who is allowed and who is not allowed to be president.
Guys, okay, so that was super weird. My um, system crashed, and one random song played, and I was dying too. Um, so that was really weird, especially when I was going to kind of walk you through um, these insane uh, DARPA agreements and memorandums of understanding. Super creepy, right? <laughs> okay, but everything should be online. Uh, thank you for the DMs and the texts. I was trying to figure out why my playlist started to play music and everything froze, which was great. Um, uh, <laughs> at least we had some music, right? Okay, so and like I was saying, that was weird. Um, so like I was saying, we have always been manipulated to think that there are never underlying forces that drive the way our government works or who is in power. Throughout time, looking back, as I was so rudely interrupted, this fourth branch, this unelected branch of government, advises us by assassination attempts and successful ones, if they haven't learned from the mistakes of how they lost the first one. This is throughout time. I mean, look, presidents that should have been president three months into their second term are done. Or like Reagan, they need to take him out right away. But he got a, he, he agreed to just be there. Wow, there's like a, I'm just going to say something totally off topic right here. So there's like a old wives tale that when someone wishes you ill harm, you know, have you guys ever heard your ears burn or whatever? Okay, right now my ears are totally burning and I'm like choking like Hillary Clinton on my own air and I have no idea why. Obviously I have a cold, but all right. So like I was saying, it has happened throughout time. Uh, reading through the Library of Congress, the newspapers, meetings that the Democrats would have would indicate strategies of how to take out the black Republicans. And so what was crazy is, is that um, suddenly we have a change in our technology, in, this, in the Industrial Revolution. McKinley comes in because he realizes in the late 1800s that we, this is a great idea. It's working. He's your Lincolnite. You know, he was like all for the people, all for this country to succeed. And he puts together the tariff laws, becomes president, gets assassinated a couple months in, um, when he was up again. And, um, you know, in 1913, everything changed. December 24th. Not only did they eradicate tariffs so they can kneel us economically, but they changed our currency from being actually backed by something tangible to a fiat currency. And this way, they created this pocket of poverty. And we saw that with, you know, the Depression. So people were throwing themselves off of buildings. You know, you could read it in the history books. And so 
through manipulation, through control of the press, through control of mouth, you know, of creating the stature, like, listen to me, I know best. I'm successful. Vote for me because I know best. I'm successful. This is constantly the, 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 the soundboard that we get, right? People looked up to people that had businesses, that had factories, that had access to money for help. So they kind of forfeited uh, their dignity and their merit in their vote to those people. And this has been the ongoing, you know, kind of theme uh, through the entertainment industry, through press. We see it all the time. So in the 60s. When communication was peaking, we had radio, we had TV, we had lots of press, you know, we had airplanes, so people would be able to fly around the world faster, news would get around faster, telegrams, you know, all this stuff. They needed control because they needed to control the message. And this was done in small doses. So the key experiment was that of the election of Barack Obama. Unbeknownst to many, and I don't know how I can word this. Um, so if we look at news reports in the nineties, we will find that, um, foreign news agencies were reporting manipulation of information in the middle East. This was being done uh, to silence um, people in the Middle East that were opposed to the actions of these pipelines that were being built, uh, the loss of their sovereignty, and challenging the United States that had you know, entered into the scene by pushing behind and throwing behind these plans that the Clintons uh, kind of took home. Well, actually, Bush completed the Clintons. Uh, took over from Bush 41 and kind of pretty much took it home in 1986. Um, they were complaining that they're pushing it with the World Bank. They're pushing it with the European Union. And that was the first time that they realized the power of the media because they were able to kneel everyone, even the surrounding countries that were proximal to places like Kuwait and Iraq. They could manipulate the message. And so when they realized that when you get big news organizations like CNN that are global, uh, you know, um, that talk to each other, Sky News, the BBC, to penetrate the message, to manipulate the message, they saw just how easy it is to formulate and push forward on foreign policies. So obviously, because we had a short intermission guys. I'm telling you, this is like, I'm still like freaking out. I'm like, I didn't even see any player on my computer. This thing just started playing and you know, whatever. And then everything just went. Okay. I'm thinking maybe I pushed something with my elbow, you know, while coughing. I don't know. Um, so thank you for the messages. Cause they're still coming in just to focus here, just so you guys understand. So they realized in the nineties, just how powerful using the media is to manipulate locals and surrounding countries where they needed to get something done. And this is why 
Twitter is banned from Iran <laughs> because Iran was one of those countries that were influenced. And obviously it was because they were in agreement with the United States. I mean, the person that is in power was instated by the United States 40 years ago. So come on. So that's done, right? So we understand how the politics play. Uh, they themselves were called out on how many countries are complaining. This is where I'm getting at. They realized at that point that the media is so huge that they allowed us to have access to the internet. Something that has been part of the government for decades, right? They just allowed us to have access to it because they did their homework, they did their research and found out this is how we can profile every single human being from all aspects of their lives, from their shopping with their stupid rewards, from the coffee they buy, from the things they like, the things they put hearts on, the things they share, the things they watch, the things they type, they save, they put in the cloud, take pictures of. We know you better than you know yourself based on that, right? So they knew that because they had been conducting these experiments since the 1960s when it was first created, the intranet. All that stuff's well-documented uh, through research programs that were being funded by DARPA at that time. Um, but, you know, it was all controlled. Um, people that they would have in these experiments to use these um, things. And, you know, it was slower then. They were different pages, different pictures. Netscape kind of led it. But the thing is, um, you know, they then sequestered, you know, these tech geniuses. And they just took everything away from them pretty much. Um, and bought out companies like crazy. I mean, Mark Cuban made a pretty dime and he is where he is because he decided to put like videos and stuff and someone bought it. And, you know, now we have YouTube. So where I'm going with this is the ultimate test was Barack Obama. No one had ever heard of him. No one knew about him. No one talked about him. No one cared about him. No one, anything about him until late 2007 when he appeared to be running against Hillary. So what they did was, they were genius, they tested the theory against one of the most well-known faces, Hillary Clinton, who supposedly the media had put up as a darling. You know, she tried to push Obamacare as Hillary Care in 1992. Everybody knew Hillary. She's a woman. It's time. Women's empowerment. It's, the two, it's 2008. Let's get this done. But then this guy comes out of nowhere. And the deep state said to Hillary, you know, nah, man, we're going to see. Can your charisma work just leaving it like this? Or does the internet really give us what we need? And that, my friends, was one of the biggest experiments conducted on a whole nation at once. McCain was up against Obama. McCain, who they gave like the craziest burial ceremony. I mean, it was just insane. We don't see anything like that for anyone in Congress or Senate. But they gave it to him. The dirtiest turncoat ever. Um, and may God have mercy on his soul. I'm just saying. Like this guy was despicable. So they put him up against McCain that everyone knew. That was a known figure. But the difference was, and this is how he beat Clinton first, right? Obama beat Clinton with what? Social media. Facebook. Twitter. Suddenly everyone was talking, join the conversation on Twitter, join the, because if you noticed a lot of people joined Twitter in 2008, 2009, it was 2009 that I got into it and the president did too. But, um, 
it was all over Facebook. They started launching all these platforms. It was 2008 that they started Twitter, right? Um, and they started pushing these things. There were videos of Obama on YouTube. Like they were really pushing the social media envelope, the conversation. And they realized that they, they completely annihilated Hillary Clinton just on that. The underdog videos, the yeah, and manipulating the conversation. So, guys, I pause a lot because I'm still choking. It's like the burning ears and like this lump in my throat. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, hashtag cold. I mean, it is not sub-zero temperature today. We've got a good warm nine degrees. But anyway, um, as I was saying, they piloted the first experiment to see how manipulating the feeds that we have access to um, would manipulate the elections. This was the new wave of putting it through. And th throughout 2008, up until the elections, and even up until today, actually, we have been bombarded with news feeds of, uh, you know, social grievances, um, anti-President Trump ads, how we're supposed to all be united, hate, you know, uh, putting these out there, you know, leftist things, et cetera, to manipulate our thought. This is the 2012 push that they put in. And that's because in 2010 and 2011, like I um, told you guys, and like the article that I tweeted, and you could go on Tory Says, you could just put the key seat search word DARPA. A couple articles are going to pop up. Uh, they're all sourced where you can go find information. But what they did was they um, manipulated, well, they took Twitter, like I, I told you guys earlier, to see how they could change your emotions with driving the conversation with bots. And kind of like a point that Tim made at some point is like, this guy you know owns the company that had these Russian bots. He's still on the internet did all these Russian bots. You banned the Russian bot accounts, but not his, even though you know he did it. And the thing is, what's weird, <laughs> no, it's not weird. It was part of the plan, is that they took the information that they've been collecting on you for years with incentives, you know, through your email because they put it all together. And in 2017 and 2018, I was very, very active on exposing these memorandums of understanding between the FBI and our local law enforcement as they were pushing this real ID because the idea is, is to create a citizen log. That's what it's called. It's called a citizen log. That citizen log pulls state or city local information, like your deeds, your rentals, your bills, how you pay them, the frequency, who you live with, what car you drive, everything. And pictures. And then in that feeds in your Google data from where you walk, where you talk, who you email, who you text, who you talk to, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, everything put in one and they create this profile. So when elections come around, they know what things they need to target you with, what kind of information they need to target you with. For example, I was targeted with information on a candidate that's running on the Democratic ticket 
that is speaking common sense. I, I kid you not. I actually reached out to him and told him that I want him on the show. Uh, not because I want to trash him because his ideas are great. Uh, but just to ask him, like, why would you be running against President Trump? Why not wait till 2024 and jump in? You know, he's trying to change the face of the Democratic Party. See, they're very targeted. Like, why would he come up on my feed? Because they already know everything you stand for. So they will put everything you stand for uh, challenge. They will challenge it. They would put things there that they know they could get you to say, hmm, let me think about it. Because I trolled everything there is to know about this guy. And I've reached out to him and he's totally game to come on the show. So I'll have him. I'll announce that. Um, you know, he's, he's actually got an official account on Facebook. Everything. So he's literally running. We're not hearing about him. But what he's doing is running on the same foundations that our president is saying the same things I want to hear, liking the same things I like, but he's going against President Trump. And this is what they're doing. This is, these are all these contracts they have with these social media companies. And so how do we stop it? We really can't. The damage has already been done. These have already been created. I mean, what does our president do? Purge it? How? You know, the only thing we can do is regulate. I mean, in those profiles, not only do they have your health records, dental records, deed records, rental records, bill records, social media, who you text, who you call, whoever, they have your DNA information, your doctor visit. They have everything, anything that they need to know about is in that file. And, you know, someone um, that listens to the show said, well, that, that's interesting, you know, it reminds me of the minority report, you know, that movie where they were like preemptively, um, you know, talking, uh, arresting people because they might do a crime. Well, we've seen that there's a company in Israel right now working on facial recognitions program that are, you know, 88% spot on that just from your face, they could tell if you're a terrorist. So this is where it's going guys. And it's, it's time and I, and the president recognizes it. And Donald Trump Jr. told Laura Loomer, it's time. We need to regulate this before it gets out of hand. It's already out of hand. It's not something you can undo. I mean, bottom line, you could just press the delete button, but the software is always there. The companies are always there. And you know, that's, that's the problem with technology. If it falls into the wrong hands, a lot of damage can be made. And it's something that I said, if they have access to this technology, so do we. And that's really, really important that we understand that our, this is why I always say, when you listen to me speak, anyone speak, anyone put out any notion, tweet, post, article, whatever it is, do not take it for face value. Read it and think about it. Do not let tell, don't tell anyone to tell you how to think, just think. Because for me, when I saw this guy tweet, posting on Facebook, I was like, oh, yeah, you get him. And then I was interested. And I totally went with whatever the matrix, the AI matrix, pulled me into doing, which is to question where I want to go with my vote. Kind of like, you know, the odds they put in. Oh, maybe I need this because they know what you interact with. So I think um, what I'm going to do is probably next week have a whole DARPA show um, and have the the ones that are unclassified kind of linked up to somewhere so people can see them. But if you just go to DuckDuckGo and just put social media DARPA contracts, 
or wherever you do your digging, they'll come up. I've, I've done them through FOIA requests just to make sure that the stuff online is real. It is. We have to understand that our own persons, you and I as individuals, our AI profiles are the most important and priceless pieces of um, real estate for the deep state there is. Because we are at a turning point that if we realize the manipulation and the influences that they put on us from every aspect of our life, the way they penetrate, then it's easier for us to be able to cut through the noise and make sense of things that happen. So on that note, right? Uh, cause I'm out of time. Um, hopefully the music was good. <laughs> um, I would like to say that everyone should be taking everything with a grain of salt. Be careful of what you tweet because they will ban you. And we just have to stay diligent and, um, and I know it sounds really dumb. Just silence yourself. If you don't care about getting banned, just do your thing. I'm all about free speech. There's always other outlets. There's ways around things, but, um, our president will be dealing with this and he started it with campuses. So do not fear. He is listening and he is paying attention and he is going to fix things on that note. I, um, have to say goodbye to all of you. I wish you a wonderful evening. A safe and healthy one. And I'll see you all here tomorrow, same time, same place, 12 to 2, Eastern Time, Monday through Friday on Red State Talk Radio. From all of us at Red State, God bless and thank you for tuning in. <laughs>